Good morning, everyone. My name is uh, Rick Luong. I attend the 5.30 service at Central Villages. Today I'm reading the text taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 to 26. If you have your Bible, please turn to me. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits to another speaking in different kinds of tongues and to still another the interpretation of tongues all of these are the work of one and the same spirit and he distributes them to each one just as he determines just as a body though one has many parts but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed all parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker, are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, 
giving greater honor to the parts that lack it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. This is the word of God. Well, hello again. Uh, today we are talking bodies. And thankfully the focus won't be on my body, uh, won't be on your body. Uh, that's the last thing we want, ruining an otherwise lovely Sunday morning. Uh, the body we're talking about today is the body of the church. It's, it's us, it's you and me, this kind of grouping of people who get called together by Jesus and loved by Him and who praise Him and serve Him together. Uh, there's heaps of different ways you can describe a group of people like that. Uh, but this bit of the Bible that we're reading today says that we are like a body. And the point of this whole section is, is really big, but really simple. Uh, just like our kind of human bodies are made up of many parts and we need all of the different parts to do their bit to make us work, same goes for church. Heaps of different people, heaps of different parts, but we need all of us coming in together to make this thing healthy. Churches are, are diverse, right? You know, that's part of, the, part of the beauty of the gospel. The message of Jesus and His death and resurrection goes out there. It reaches different people. Different people hear it. Different people go, yes, I need that. That's what I've been craving. That's what I've been looking for. They respond. They say yes to Jesus. And it's the message that cuts through all of our different divisions. It, it blurs our dividing lines. And what it means is that a church, the kind of grouping of people who, who trust Jesus in, in this spot, we find ourselves being really different. You know, we, we unite around Jesus, but we have different takes and different interests and different backgrounds and, and different ideas. And we also have different spiritual gifts. Every single one of us gets to serve Jesus. Every single one of us gets to be a part of God's work. And that's both pretty great, but also pretty challenging at the same time. We're all rocking different spiritual gifts here at Central Villages. And we have to make sure, have to make sure that, that that difference between us does not divide us, that it doesn't cause tensions to exist between us, that, that we don't let some sort of hierarchy get in our head of people who have more important gifts and more important roles than others. We've got to resist all of that because we are one body designed to work together. And this bit of 1 Corinthians, this next bit of the letter that we're reading it, it hammers at home in a really powerful way. Uh, thanks to Rick for reading for us earlier. I hope you found that helpful. And you would have noticed that the section starts off by talking about, yeah, as a church, there are heaps of different gifts. You know, we saw it in verses 8 through to 10. You know, there's messages of wisdom and knowledge and there's healing and speaking different tongues and interpreting those tongues and prophecy. So the church in Corinth, as Paul writes his letter, he says, you've got heaps of different gifts. And now it's worth pointing out that that this list right here that we're reading, it's not a kind of complete, exhaustive list of every single gift that's available. What Paul is doing is he's lift, listing some examples of the kind of gifts that he knew had been given by the Spirit to the church in Corinth. It's, it's worth saying that, because I can imagine some people getting to this bit of the Bible and, and reading it and thinking, wow, well, well, here's the complete list of all the spiritual gifts that are available. 
And man, oh man, it is bad news because I don't have some of these. But we know, right, we know that this list is not actually meant to be used by that. This is not the master list, you know, of all gifts for all churches across all time. It's not that. Instead, it's a, it's a customized list for the church in Corinth at that time. And we can tell that because elsewhere in his letters, Paul trots out similar lists of gifts of the Spirit. And the lists are different. They have different items in them, you know, Romans 12 or Ephesians 4, even, even Peter in 1 Peter 4. They give these little lists of the gifts of the Spirit and it's not always the same set of gifts. I think what it highlights for us is that different churches have different gifts given to them by the Spirit to, to match up with their needs in that place at that time. AKA, it is completely possible to be a legit spirit-filled Christian going to a legit spirit-driven church, but to not necessarily do all of the things that are on display here in this list. This is the list for Corinth in the first century. And make sure you also don't miss Paul's point in listing them out either. His, his point is not to say, yeah, you better go and get yourself one of these gifts. Actually, his point is to say, yes, your individual gifts might be different, but make sure you don't let that divide you. Now, that's clearly his point because of how he says things in verse 11. He says, all of these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Now, one Spirit giving out all of these gifts, there is no sense in which one person is better than another because of the gift that they happen to hold. Having different gifts is not an indicator that, you know, one person is less spiritual than another. One person failed to do something. One person stuffed up. It, having different gifts is not a sign of laziness, not a sign of a lack of devotion. God deliberately gives out different gifts to different people. He, he thinks this through and He deliberately says, I'm going to put this gift in that person and it's not, a, it's not a sign that this person has got something wrong with them or that they are better than another person. No. He deliberately customizes different gifts to different people. And it's so that, and it's so that all those different gifts can be, can be brought together and put together and that together they form something really special. Together they form the body. Verse 12 puts it like this, it says, Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Back in the, uh, in the olden days, when Alison and I lived in Newtown, uh, we once went to this noodle market thing in the city, and you know, remember back when you could go to events in the city, crazy times, anyway... Uh, Good food, uh, but the thing that was probably most entertaining was the, uh, the spectacle that was put on display at these noodle markets. There we are, we're sitting around, eating our noodles, chatting with our friends, when suddenly this drum beat starts, and out of the crowd comes this massive dragon puppet thing. And I, I went back through my iPhoto and went right back to 2012 and managed to find a little shot of the thing that I took on my, you know, dodgy camera, that's why it's fuzzy, we didn't have fancy iPhones back then, but, but this, this dragon thing comes out of the crowd. And it's two people sitting underneath this thing. And they're kind of making it dance and they're holding it. I've never seen anything like it. And these two people, they have to be in perfect sync 
They have to work together. They have to trust each other. Because if they don't, the whole thing falls over. Quite, quite literally, it falls over. At one point, they get up on these poles, and they're kind of stepping from one pole to the next, and they're dancing back and forth. And the guy at the bum end of the dragon, he can't see what he's doing. He just has to trust the fellow up front. And also vice versa. The guy at the front has to trust the guy at the back. At one point, the guy at the back picks up the guy at the front, and they look like they're like a roaring dragon, and it looks both spectacular and terrifying at the same time. But it's amazing. It's this picture of one body being made up of separate parts. And when they work together in sync, it's spectacular. But if they get out of sync, it's going to be a painful disaster. And what we're reading here in 1 Corinthians is saying that for us as a church, it's exactly the same thing. Diverse people all coming together, all coming into sync with one another, forming one body. Verse 13, for we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. We were given the one spirit to drink. You get converted, you get given the spirit of God, and suddenly all these things that were different about you, they don't matter anymore. Now you are one group. One body, which, which by definition, our body has many parts, doesn't it? And just like with our physical bodies, what it means to be part of the body of the church is that people who are very different to one another actually need each other, actually depend on each other, have no choice but to rely on each other. That's what life is like as Christians. We need each other. Verse 15. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, would it not for that reason stop being part of the body? Oh, sorry, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. Being different from the rest doesn't mean you don't belong, doesn't mean you aren't needed, doesn't mean you aren't important. And actually, let, let's be honest, life would kind of suck as a Christian if we were all identical. You know, if the Spirit was given out the exact same gifts, the exact same passions, the exact same interests to every single one of us, that would be a shemozzle. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Being kind of same-same in a church would be a disaster. I mean, imagine life at Central Villages, if Every single person had skills in music, but no one was willing to clean the loose. That would be gross. Or imagine if every single person at Central Villages had kind of spirit-given gifts in teaching, but no skills in admin. That would be chaos. But because God actually cares about us, and I hope you realize that, God actually cares about His churches. He actually cares about what goes on at Central Villages. Because He cares, He chooses to make us diverse. It's exactly as it should be, exactly as He wants it to be. Verse 18, in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. Your role that you play in the body of Christ here at Central Villages is planned by God, is given by God. Who you are and how you're wired is not a mistake, is not a stuff-up, it's not an oversight. God is planning His church to make sure that different people will come together and lean on each other, to make sure that different people will come together and benefit from being with each other. We are stronger together. Difference between different Christians is a good thing. 
It means that we make up for what each other lacks. And so, when you look around church and you realize, man, this place is full of people who are so different to me. They, they think different. They've got different skills and different abilities and, and different interests. When you think like that, what should you do about it? I tell you what you should do. You should cherish that fact. You should love that fact. You should love the way God has chosen to wire all of us differently. Because if it was any different, church would honestly grind to a halt. There would be no central villages here in our part of the mountains if we were all same, same. Verse 21, the, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Like, like different parts of a body need the rest of the body or else the body just kind of becomes this weird, useless lump of flesh, right? You know, I mean, a severed finger can't do much on its own, can it? You know, don't try this at home, kids, but if you, if you cut off a finger, if you separate it away from the rest of the body, it becomes pretty useless pretty quick, doesn't it? And even if a hundred severed animated figures kind of formed a bit of a severed finger collective, you know, they all started hanging out together and working together, it ain't going to get very far, is it? There's a horror movie idea for you right there, but but fingers need hands, and hands need arms, and arms need torsos, and torsos need internal organs, and bodies need heads. Put a finger in that context, and suddenly the finger is actually useful. Suddenly the finger starts thriving. That's true for your body, and it's also true for you as a person in the church. We need the whole rest of the family if we're going to thrive. And that even extends to the kind of parts of the family, parts of the body that seem to be weaker or seem to be a bit weirder or seem to be a little bit less useful maybe. This fact that we need every other part applies even to those bits of the body, even to those people in the body. Verse 22, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are, are less honourable we treat with special honour. You know, it, there's a sense in which it would be fairly easy to look at someone who's different to you in the church and go, I still appreciate you because I can kind of see how you, you bring something of value. You make a contribution to the body. You're different to me, sure, but, but I'll, I'm fine with that because I can see the value you bring. That's a pretty natural thing. But what we are being called to do is to take it to the next level. We're being called to cherish and value people in the body who, frankly, we can't tell what contribution they're making. They look on the surface to be weaker. Our temptation at that point is to kind of grow frustrated or to just not care, but God says, no, no. Those parts of the body are worth treating with special honour. Because every single part has a role to play, even if you can't see it. Every single member of a church, of Central Villages, is doing something that matters, even if you or I can't spot it immediately. There's this idea in biology that I find really funny, 
Uh, it's the idea of something being vestigial. You know, something is vestigial if it's still there, you know, it's still part of the body, but it's become kind of useless, kind of pointless. Doesn't add anything, doesn't offer anything, doesn't, doesn't contribute in any way. So, wings on an emu or on an ostrich, you know, that doesn't contribute in any way, it's pointless, it's vestigial. Or appendixes in a human body, that's pointless, that's vestigial. Uh, nipples on a man, you know, what on earth are they there for? But just for decoration, you can't say they're pointless, because they sometimes get quite pointy, but are they useless? Yes, they're vestigial. There are, there are vestigial bits on our fleshy bodies, but what we're seeing here in this bit of 1 Corinthians is that there are no vestigial bits on the Christian body. There is no such thing as a vestigial Christian. There's no one in the body that is Central Villages about whom we can wonder, why on earth did God put you here? Because what are you contributing? What role could you possibly be playing? No one in our church fits that category. Because we know that every part is playing its part. Verse 22, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. We can't do without them. Now, the, the thing about something being vestigial is that it wasn't always that way. You know, it wasn't always pointless. It wasn't always useless. As time has gone on, that aspect of the, the human body has become useless. And I wonder, I wonder if sometimes some of us feel like that. You know, that, that we've kind of aged out of usefulness at church. Once upon a time, we were involved and important and could see what we were doing, could see the contribution we were making. But as the years have rolled on, we're no longer able to keep up. We no longer hold the skills that are needed. We, we no longer have the energy to contribute. I wonder if you feel like that. I wonder if you feel as though you've drifted into vestigialness. I know that some of us do feel like that, and I hate, I hate the idea that some of us feel that way. Because I'm convinced, and I hope you are as well, that every one of us, every single one of us, has a kind of difference-making, eternity-changing role to play. Every one of us, for as long as God has us here on His earth, will be able to make a difference, will be able to make a contribution. Even if that role, yes, does change over time. Even if, yes, towards the end, as your body fails you, the last thing left that you can contribute is to pray. What a contribution that is to make to the body, to be a part of the body that dedicates itself to prayer. I suspect that maybe all of us need to get a bit better at trying out new things. You know, seeing if maybe there's a different need that I can be playing a role in fulfilling at this point in time. And this isn't, this isn't just for those who feel like they might have aged out of things they used to do, it's for all of us. How do you know, how do you know if the Holy Spirit has or hasn't gifted you to play a particular role? Unless you give it a shot. You may well be exactly the person God has sent to this church to fill a particular role. How are you going to know unless you go and give it a crack? Nobody who's a member of any church, no one who's a member of, of our church, 
should be feeling as though they don't matter to the rest of us. I hope that none of us accidentally gives the impression to any of the rest of us that we don't matter. There's a little bit at the end of this this little section that I find really interesting. It highlights that as we appreciate the different parts of our body, we're not just appreciating each other for the kind of role we can play. We're not just appreciating each other for what we can give back. But that us appreciating the different bits of the body is something that we just do because we're part of the body. Being part of the body means that we care about how each other's going. It means we care about how each other's feeling. When one part of the body is feeling great, we feel great. When one part of the body is feeling terrible, the rest of us feels terrible. At a church, it is important that we stand with each other in the good times and the bad. You see at verse 24, it says, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that all its parts have equal concern for each other. Get that? Equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part's honoured, every part rejoices with it. Isn't that the most beautiful picture of community life? You know, people, people depending on each other, people relying on each other, people needing each other, people caring what others are feeling, people standing with one another in good times and in bad That's what we are called to be. If you don't think that's beautiful, then something's gone wrong. If you don't want to make that a reality in your church's life, then something's gone wrong. I read this about our church being like a body, about every different part of the body playing an important role. And I've got to tell you, as, as someone who stands in my position, as the kind of senior leader over our church, This makes absolute sense. As I kind of get to look across the whole sweep of things that happen at our church, organized things and also just informal things, it is crystal clear to me that we need a massive, broad group of people coming together to make this thing work, to make a difference for eternity. The kind of skills and passions and interests that it takes to make a church function is incredible. And at no point can you ever fall into the trap of thinking that this rests on one person. Let me, let me talk about some of the practicalities for a minute as we finish up. Already as a church, we're starting to kind of gear up for 2022. You know, next year, we want to make sure that we are making an impact for Jesus as a church. We want to make sure that we're sharing the gospel. We want to make sure that we're raising people up. We want to make sure we're sending people out. We want to do that. And we want to make sure that we involve everyone in doing it. Making that kind of impact takes big people power. It takes diverse people power. If we're going to be useful next year as a church to our community, we are going to have to pull our efforts together and serve together in our different roles. This week I was, I was crunching a bit of data and I discovered that 70% of adults in our church, 70%, 0 are working in roles that contribute to the life of our church in a kind of organized, measurable way. 130 active adults at our church and 70% of them are serving in an active way. I love that. That is a healthy number. 
We want to make sure that number is going up next year. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to let you uh, know how you might like to serve next year. We're going to be distributing a bit of a survey to everyone, you know, a bit like the census, you'll have the option of a paper copy or you can do it online. And we just want to hear from you, how am I going to contribute next year? You might say, yep, sign me up for exactly what I've been doing this year, I'm loving it, keep me going. You might be saying, I want to try something new, give me some options. You might know exactly what your next option is, you might want to go, sign me up for this, I've been thinking about it and praying about it, this is the thing for me. But we want to gear up for next year. We want you to say, yep, I'm ready. Sign me up. Give me a role to play in this body. Expect that in the next couple of weeks. Now, that's all prep for 2022, though. It's only August 2021 now. There's still a third of this year left. And I've got to say, I think one of the worst things about being stuck in lockdown for a Christian is that it does make it so much harder for us to use our God-given gifts to serve in the church and to serve the church and to serve the people beyond our church, it is harder when we're expected to be sitting at home. And that sucks because it's such an important part of who we are. Getting to serve together is something that ties us together. Getting to serve together is something that makes us know that we are needed. We are, at the moment, robbed of that. I want to encourage you to put your thinking hat on and get creative and figure out what is something I can keep on doing now to make a contribution. Maybe it's that you're going to try and have a go and see if you've got the gift of encouragement. Maybe you're going to write a letter to somebody. Maybe you're going to give someone a phone call. A couple of people have asked me, hey, is there someone at church who I can be like a bit of a buddy with? You know, I might not know them very well yet, but I can write them a letter like you might write a letter to a pen pal. And, you know, that might be an encouraging thing to do. If you want that kind of arrangement, let me know. I'll tee you up with someone. Maybe you want to see if you've got the, the gift of tech skills and you want to be trained up to be part of running the live stream. Maybe for you it's exercising the gift of hospitality, which doesn't have to mean having people over to your house, but means taking a little bit of your house to them, sharing your food. I've had a couple of Zoom dinners with people over the last couple of weeks. It's been great. You cook, I cook, then we eat and chat together. There's still so much we can do to serve one another as part of the body. Get creative. Don't just think, I'm stuck in lockdown and that makes me useless. Think of something. It's a beautiful thing that God is doing at a church. He takes random ragtag people, brings them together, knits them together, makes them need each other. God is doing that amongst us. My encouragement to you is, make sure you're appreciating the rest of the body. Make sure you're cheering the rest of the body on. Make sure you're adding your part to this bigger thing at Central Villages. We need you and how God has made you. He's put you here for a reason. Make sure you're involved. Let me pray. Lord God, thanks that you don't leave us on the sidelines, but that you involve us. And thanks that as you involve us, you also bind us together. You make us into a body where each part has to rely on the rest or else it just doesn't work. That's a beautiful thing. That's a thing that, that makes us depend and rely on each other. It makes it clear that none of us can operate independently. Lord God, please give us the courage to try something new, to, to be working hard, to exercise the gifts you've given us, to use them to benefit others. Lord, as we endure lockdown, give us creativity. 
Help us to do things that, that might be stretching us a bit out of our comfort zone, but, but help us to give it a go so that we can serve the rest of the church. And Lord, as we, as we think about next year, as we think about life after lockdown, please help us to be excited for the contribution we will get to make to the life of our church. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.